Sometimes studying the Bible can feel overwhelming and confusing. Grounded in Truth with Janet Dennison will help you learn to study, understand, and apply God's Word to your daily life. His Word is true. And guess what? It's for everyone. So thanks for joining us today as we dive into Scripture together. to the Grounded in Truth podcast with me, Janet Dennison. We are looking at final words of instruction in our most recent study titled Until the Whole World Hears. This study is a collection of final lessons or messages from Christ and other biblical heroes. Their words are profoundly important because they are among the last words authored for people they loved. This study will remind you to use your life and influence to help others receive the gospel message of Christ. I'm excited to teach these lessons and pray that God will use them to strengthen and inspire you to live your earthly life with God's eternal priorities. Let's get started with this week's lesson. Welcome to Lesson 12 which is 2 Timothy chapter 1, and I titled it, How Do We Share and Prosper Our Faith? At the end of the book of Acts, we learn that Paul was put under house arrest and taken to Rome. It was likely that he was released from that time and continued to do a fourth missionary journey. We can't know that for certain, and the details surrounding this fourth missionary journey are really more uh, things that we guess at than that we know for certain. But it appears that he did. Historical and tradition both kind of lean towards the fact that he did have a fourth missionary journey. It was during that time that he wrote the letters of Titus and 1 Timothy, uh, possibly even visiting Titus back in Crete, uh, where he left him. Later, Paul was rearrested and put into the Mamertine prison, which is in Rome, but a prison much different than he would have experienced while under house arrest. When you get the phrase being thrown into prison, that was a literal uh, thing that they did to the prisoners in Rome. This was a hole in the ground, caves dug underneath Rome, and the prisoners were literally dropped in to this prison. It was during this time that he writes the letter of 2 Timothy. And he would have known that Mamertime prison probably would mean his death. Nero was a very antagonistic and angry emperor, came to power around AD 63 to 65, about 30 years after the death and resurrection of Christ. And by then the Christian church had grown quite large. The Jewish church had grown to be a major issue to the Roman government. And Nero was just tired of all of the fighting and didn't want to mess with it. And he became a persecutor of both the Jewish church and the Christian church. Paul wrote this letter in order to prepare and encourage Timothy, who he will call his son in the faith. 
and he wanted Timothy, his protege, to continue the ministry, to be strong in it, even though Timothy was a young man. And so this letter of 2 Timothy are Paul's words to a gifted young man, one who had been called to preach. And it is Paul trying to pass on encouragement and wisdom and caution to Timothy. He begins chapter one by introducing himself as Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. So much in those words, but everyone needed to know who this letter was from. The fact that he's an apostle indicates they need to take the words of this letter as godly gospel truth. And he wants to remind them that he is a person, even while in prison, who has the promise of life through Christ Jesus. And this letter is addressed to Timothy, my dear son. My beloved son is another way of putting that. And to Timothy, he says, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. From that, we can know that the source of Christian grace, mercy, and peace is not our best efforts. The source is from God the Father through Jesus Christ the Lord. As we look at these next verses, be thinking about your children in the faith. Our natural children, our children, we know we're supposed to mentor in order to know so that they will grow up knowing who Jesus is. But God also gives us children in the faith. Those who, like Paul and Timothy, are called to be our student or people we're to invest in spiritually. So as we do this first chapter, be thinking of who those people are in your life. To Timothy, he says, I thank God whom I serve, as my ancestors did, with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you, so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and, I am persuaded, now lives in you also. There is such a picture of the humanity and the heart of Paul in these verses. He loved Timothy, and the last time he had seen Timothy, Timothy might have thought it was the last time he would ever see Paul because Timothy had cried. He, there had been tears. And Paul was thinking of those moments with Timothy, and it made him want to see him again. Timothy and being around Timothy filled Paul with joy, knowing Timothy would carry on the ministry that Paul had begun filled him with joy. And so he prayed often for Timothy. I'm sure in the Mamertine prison, there wasn't a lot of other things to do besides pray, and Paul would have needed that strength. But he thinks about how Timothy gained his faith, his foundation of faith, and it's so important we talk about that because so many uh, preachers 
and people who are strong in the Lord grow up having been invested in by their grandmothers, by their mothers, by fathers. We don't know where Timothy's father was. It, it's a question as to what happened to him. But there is a legacy of faith that we are called to pass on to those that God gives us, not only as children in our families, but as children in the faith. Paul says, for this reason, for the reason of continuing the gospel, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. Think about fires in the first century. They cooked with them. They heated water with them. They did many things that had to do with flame, working with the bronze and the iron that they had. And a fire would begin to grow cold. And so what did they do? They stirred up the coals and probably blew on it in order to fan into flame, increase the heat again. Paul is saying to Timothy, I remind you, keep your faith, your passion for the ministry stirred up. It is your gift of God. That word gift comes from the Greek word charisma. It means a gift of grace. We get the word charismatic from this. It is the gift that God gives, the gift of grace God gives through the, his Holy Spirit. And Paul tells Timothy, fan that gift, keep it strong, keep it going, because it came to you through the laying on of my hands, probably referring to Timothy's ordination to the ministry, this time when the leaders put their hands on Timothy and ordained him to enter into the ministry. It was a special calling, a special gift. And then he reminds Timothy, for the Spirit of God does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. We know Timothy was young because earlier Paul had told him in his first letter, don't let people disregard you because of your age or disregard your message. In the second letter, once again, he encourages Timothy to be strong, not timid, and to fan into flame his passion that the spirit didn't give him a spirit of timidity, but instead the Holy Spirit gives us a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Those are three topics Paul will address in this letter. And so in verse 8, he says, So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. We don't translate that as well, probably, as we should. He says, don't be timid, ashamed, fearful about what we are teaching. Don't even feel that way about me, even though I'm a prisoner. What he's saying is timid. Uh, Timothy, don't be afraid to come see me. He'll ask him to come see him at the end of the letter. Don't be afraid. Don't be timid. Be in the spirit, filled with power, love, and God discipline, self-control. And then he says, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Paul loves Timothy. 
He also knows that what God has called Timothy to do will likely bring about suffering in his life. He doesn't try to mince words there. He doesn't try to ignore that fact. He says instead to fan that passion into flame and be strong because it's coming. How do you survive the suffering? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. In verse 9, Paul writes, He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. And I stop there. Jesus saves all of us and then calls us to live a holy life. The word holy literally means set apart from others, different. What makes us different? God's purpose in our life and the grace that he's filled us with. And where does the grace come from? Paul tells Timothy, this grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Isn't that a mouthful? But one of the best descriptions of Jesus Christ in all of the New Testament. We were given our grace gifts through the Holy Spirit that came through Christ Jesus, who existed before the beginning of time. But through Jesus, this grace, this power and strength we have through God is revealed by his appearing, by the humanity of Christ Jesus, because Jesus destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. The gospel is the message of salvation. The theme of the book of Romans is found in chapter 1, and I think it is the best description of the power of the gospel message. These are, again, Paul's words when he wrote, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not doubting the gospel. I am not at all uh, worried about speaking it. Why? Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile, not in priority, but in order. Jesus came first to the Jewish population, and later Paul and others would carry the message of the gospel to the Gentiles. And then he writes, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. This gospel message that Paul is going to keep reminding Timothy of is the power of salvation to anyone who will believe. And that's why in verse 11, he says, and of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. This message, this message that has the power of salvation, I am supposed to preach, teach, and write with the authority of an apostle. 
And then he says in verse 12, because I fulfilled my calling, in verse 12, that's why he writes, that is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame because I know whom I have believed and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day, the day of his salvation. Paul speaks with confidence that Timothy will also need. And he said, I am not ashamed of the life I've lived. I am not concerned or changing the gospel message that I've been called to preach because I know the one that I have believed in. And I am absolutely convinced that Jesus is able to take what I have done what I have entrusted to him, my words, my teaching, my preaching, my missionary work, it will stay with Jesus until the day I go to heaven. And the gospel message you and I are called to share is the same message, the same words that Paul encouraged Timothy with. That message had given Paul courage and guidance and wisdom. It's the same message you and I are called to share with others. In verse 13, Paul says, What you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. I had to take home ec when I was in high school, and one of the studies we had to do was sewing. And we all were called to go buy fabric and buttons and zippers and a pattern. And that's why the word pattern is there. It's very much to be read as the guide. Hopefully, I will be able to keep to the pattern of gospel teaching better than I kept to the pattern of this jumper, corduroy jumper I tried to make in high school. It was bad. We were forced to wear it one day, and I could not wait to get home and file that jumper in the back of my closet. Paul says, keep as the pattern of sound teaching this gospel message, what you heard from me. There's probably not anything our world needs to hear more than this right now. We who live in the era of personal truth, Paul would not appreciate that phrase, and I don't really either. If you think about it, it's an oxymoron. There's no such thing as personal truth. Truth is truth, whether or not we believe it. To Timothy, Paul is saying, you adhere to the gospel, the foundational sound teaching that I've given you, and you adhere to it through your faith and love of Jesus Christ. And then he says in 14, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. We don't guard things or place things under guard that don't have great value. I know when I'm watching my grandchildren, I am a hawk. 
I know where they are at all times. I am guarding them because their parents have given them to me as a good deposit. And I will always uh, try to guard what they entrust to me. But I guard it with the help of my husband. <laughs> Here, guard the word of God with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Cannot underestimate the value of God's Holy Spirit in our lives. For somebody who teaches or preaches or evangelizes, trying to share the gospel message, the most important knowledge is the knowledge that we cannot do this without the power of God's Holy Spirit. The biggest challenge is getting out of the way so that it's only the Spirit who's doing the teaching. Timothy says you protect this good deposit of truth. You protect it. You guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit. And in verse 15, he says, you know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including, I don't know how to say those names, Phygelus and Hermogenes, maybe. Interestingly, this is the only time these two names are mentioned. How would you like to be their mom and have, their, have your son's name preserved for all of history? as somebody who deserted the Apostle Paul. In opposition to that or opposed to that is the opposite of these two men. In verse 16, he says, May the Lord show mercy to the household of Onesphorus, because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. Onesphorus, we don't know him from anywhere else either, but we know this, that it didn't matter what would happen to him because he was looking for Paul. He looked for him anyway. He wanted to help. He wanted to comfort the apostle and bring him what he needed. There's a legacy in these words about what we would like for people to think when we're gone and like for people not to think of us. Our faith requires us to be brave, strong, spirit-led servants. And we're called to help. We're called to help move forward this gospel of Jesus Christ. And he closes the first chapter saying, may the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day. You know very well in how many ways he helped me in Ephesus. What an honor for this man to have been a help and encouragement to the greatest evangelist of all time. And all of us should do our best to help those who are in ministry. It's a hard job. And at the end of our lives, I would like people to remember me like Paul remembers Onesphorus, as somebody who helped in a time of need. The best way to build a legacy for those days 
is to begin it today. William Barclay wrote some of the most popular and long-standing commentaries. It is really a devotional commentary on the Bible. And he's written more sermons probably than anyone. The reason I say that is because among preachers, I'm married to one, Barclay's known as the Saturday Night Special. In other words, when you've had one of those weeks and you know you need to be in the pulpit tomorrow, you pull out Barclay because he'll probably give you some good ideas for your sermon. This is a quote from William Barclay, and I loved what he said. He said, one of the highest of human duties is the duty of encouragement. There is a regulation of the Royal Navy which says, no officer shall speak discouragingly to another officer in the discharge of his duties. As I've told you, I'm married to a preacher. He really didn't enjoy his mail on Tuesday because people who had a problem with something on Sunday, whether it be the air conditioning or the pews or a Sunday school lesson or any number of things, would go home from church on Sunday and write a note and it would be on Jim's desk on Tuesday at some point in time. So he didn't like mail on Tuesdays very much. We should be so careful with our words. If they don't build up that one who's in ministry, then there's a really good chance that we should never say them. It is a hard job, and no one will ever be perfect at it. Goodness knows, if you've been listening to these videos, you probably can remember two or three things I've misspoken. It's just a hard effort to give out God's word as accurately as you can. So today, maybe we'll hear Paul from that depth of a Mamertine prison and say, if Paul needs encouragement in ministry, we all do. There are a lot of Pauls today who are trying to preach that same gospel message. What can we do this week to encourage them in their ministry? It's a good thing to ponder. See you again next time. We hope you will join us for our latest topical study on one of the most beloved passages of Scripture. Psalm 23, The Relationship God Wants With You is a four-week study, and it's available for free today. It is the perfect study to prepare your heart and mind for the celebration of our Good Shepherd's birth. The 23rd Psalm is a picture of the relationship God wants to have with you. Whatever you are facing today, you can find encouragement, strength, and rest in these words of praise from King David. Go to www.foundationsbiblestudies.org and sign up today.